Well, we're turning in our Bibles this evening to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, please, in the chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, and we turn uh, to the verse 44, please. Luke 23, and the verse 44. This is our final evening in our series, Crosswords. We have thought of the seven cries from the cross of Calvary, and this evening we come to the final and seventh cry that the Saviour uh, said in that particular day. And this is found in Luke chapter 23, and we'll read these verses together, the verse 44 through to the verse 46. And this is the word of the Lord, and it reads, And it was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour, and the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. I'm sure that many of you will be familiar with the name Benjamin Franklin. He, he once said this. He said, by failing to prepare, you're preparing to, or you're, you're preparing to fail. There's no doubt about it. Preparation is key for any task that we perform in life. Preparation is vital. There's no point in going into a school exam, having not spent time at the desk studying the books, and committing to memory the facts that we must know in order to pass. And if you fail to prepare for an exam, well, you must prepare to fail the exam. There's no point in heading to an interview and not preparing for the questions that you might face. Otherwise, the potential employers will see your lack of interest and somebody else will get the job. If you fail to prepare for the interview, well, you must prepare to fail in the interview. There's no point in an athlete turning up for an event if they haven't spent any time in training and preparing. If, if you fail to train and prepare, well, you must prepare to feel against the people in whom you're competing with. The truth that each of us know is that in life, in life's key moments, preparation is vital. I wonder why it is that in many things we will take time to prepare. We'll prepare for exams. We'll prepare for jobs, we'll prepare for marriage, we'll prepare for children, we'll prepare for retirement. Some even uh, prepare their funeral plans. But when it comes to death and where we'll spend eternity, quite often people don't prepare at all. Yet according to the Bible, this is the most vital thing to prepare for. In God's word in Amos chapter 4 verse 12, we're instructed to prepare to meet thy God. Prepare to meet your God. Few experience in experiences in life are as painful as the loss of a loved one. And I'm sure most of us here in the room have come face to face with the reality of death as we have buried loved ones who have gone before us. But when it comes to ourselves, we can often be fooled into thinking that death is something that happens to other people. We read about it in the papers, we see it in the TV, but we don't allow ourselves to consider that one day it will happen to us, and it will. And we need to prepare for that day. 
I wonder if you come to terms with the fact that one day you will die, and you must prepare for that day. There are many who hear the gospel week after week, and they don't respond. They don't see the urgency of it. And you must, dear friends, see the urgency of the gospel this evening, because if you don't, you don't know when your soul will end up in eternity. None of us know when our time on earth will be done. We must be prepared to meet God. In recent years I have seen and sat by the deathbeds of a couple of family members. And these were difficult times for the family as we watched our loved ones take their final breath in this world. But for my great uncle, who was a great influence in my life, and for my grandpa, both of them died with their hope and confidence and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They both knew that at the moment of death, they would immediately be in heaven in the presence of the Lord. You see, the question we must answer this evening as we consider this final call of the cross of Calvary, it's not the question, will you die? For we know the answer to that question already. But the question we must ask this evening is, how will you die? Will you die with full dependence on God for your salvation? Or will you die without hope? When we turn to the seventh cry of the Saviour from the cross, we discover how the Lord Jesus died. Seven times the dying Saviour spoke. And seven is the number of completeness and perfection in Scripture. At Calvary then, as everywhere, the perfections of the Lord Jesus Christ were displayed. Seven is also the number of rest in a finished work. Do you remember at the very beginning, when this world was created, six days God made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested, and he contemplated with satisfaction all that he had pronounced into being, and he told us it was very good. And so here we see the Lord Jesus, and he's done a work here on the cross of Calvary. And the sixth day brought the work of creation to completion, and so the sixth cry from Calvary brought the work of salvation to completion, as the sixth cry was, it is finished. And the seventh day of creation, God rested. And the seventh word from the cross brings the Savior to that place of rest, the Father's hands. For the last time the Lord Jesus spoke at Calvary, this is what he said, Father, into thy hands, I commend my spirit. The seventh cry from the cross tells us about death and how the Lord Jesus died. I want you to know, first of all, this evening, that the Lord Jesus, he died with his Father's presence. He was in his Father's presence. Here on earth, the Lord Jesus lived in the presence of the Father. But now he, now he would return to the Father's immediate fellowship and glory in heaven. This, his last great cry, expressed confidence that he would be welcomed into the heavenly realms. And it's interesting to note that the first words that we read the Lord Jesus saying as a 12-year-old boy was to do with the Father. The first words recorded of the Lord Jesus are found in Luke chapter 2 verse 49 and he says to his mother and father did you not know that I must be about my father's business and now that his father's business is finished his last words would be father into thy hands I commend my spirit from beginning to end 
The Son of God cared only about doing one thing, and that was doing the Father's will and finishing it, completing the work of salvation. He made known the Father's name to his disciples, and he had become sin for those who would believe on his name. Nothing was left undone. How fitting that these were the final words spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ in his earthly body. He died with the assurance that God would take care of what was entrusted to him. The Saviour, God the Son, is seen again in communion with God the Father. A communion that will never again be broken. Listen to what he says. He says, Father, Father, Christ died confidently, knowing he was going to heaven with the Father. He had the Father's presence. Christ died confidently. Let me tell you something. Christians die confidently. Those who are trusting in Christ this evening, we have the Saviour's presence now, and we will have the Saviour's presence when we die and throughout all eternity. Do we not read in Psalm 23, verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Think about it, you won't have to cross Death Valley alone if you're trusting the Saviour. And you'll know in a very true sense, in that day when we die, we'll know in a very true sense that the promise that the Saviour said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. But tell me, dear friend, this evening, is God your Father? Have you pleased your trust in Christ? Are you a child of God? The Bible says this, it says, as many as receive him, to them give he power to become the sons of God, even them that believe in his name. You're either a child of God or a child of the devil. There's no in-between. Either God has your heart or the devil has your heart. Oh, I wonder if well, it is to look up to the great and living God and say that he is my father. To know that God is my Father is to know that He loves me. To, to know that God is my Father is to know that He cares for me. To know that God is my Father is to know that He provides for me. To know that God is my Father is to know that He will perfect me. Christian friends, this evening, we can claim that verse there in First John, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Dear unsaved friend this evening, if you're here, you could claim that verse for your own for the very first time tonight. You could become a son or daughter of the King of Kings if only you would put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder, do you have assurance of the Father's presence with you at all times? The Saviour had assurance of the Father's presence with him, and you can too. You'll only trust the Lord. Hear the Saviour's final cry in death, as he says confidently, Father. Well, to die, with the, but to die without the Father's presence is to face a lost eternity. Why will you tarry any longer? You see, at the moment of death, it doesn't matter who you are, you'll meet God. And you'll step out into eternity. And there's a divine appointment with the Lord that awaits you. And my question to you is this. Are you prepared to meet God? That's the verse we read at the outset. Prepared to meet thy God. Are you prepared to meet him? 
Prepare to meet thy God. For when you step into eternity, God will no longer be able to act as Savior. He will be judged. And without Christ as Savior, you'll spend eternity lost forever. Where will you spend eternity? Can I ask you, do you know, can you assure your family, can you assure your friends that you know where you're going to spend all of eternity? The Lord Jesus, he died in his Father's presence. You can too. I want you to notice, secondly, that he died in his Father's hands. Note what he says. He says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Into your hands I commend my spirit. Now, for many hours on that particular day, the Lord Jesus had spent time in the hands of sinners. He had told his disciples in Matthew chapter 26, verse 45, The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. And the hands of sinners took him and bound him. And the hands of sinners beat him. And the hands of sinners stripped him. And the hands of sinners put a crown of thorns upon his head. The hands of sinners nailed him to the cross. But when it came to the conclusion of his work, the Lord Jesus Christ was no longer in the hands of sinners. He was in the hands of the Father. Into thy hands. I commend my spirit. Throughout our series, we've learned that for the first three hours on the cross, he suffered at the hands of men. And during those first three hours, the Savior cared for those around him. And during the last three hours, he suffered under the hands of God. And the punishment for your sin had to be paid. And Christ suffered at the hands of God in your place and mine. Last week, the Savior declared that the work of salvation was now finished. He no longer needed to suffer. And now it's into his Father's hands that he entrusts his spirit. You see, the Father's hands, let me tell you something about those. It's the place of security. It's the place of safety. It's the place of protection. The Lord Jesus said of those who received in John chapter 10, he says this, My Father who gave them to me is greater than all, and no man can pluck them out of my Father's hand. Have you as a sinner committed your spirit, your soul, to the hands of God? If so, it's in safekeeping. I wonder, can you say with Paul, I know whom I have believed. I wonder, can you die confidently knowing that your soul is in the safest place in all the universe, in the hand of God? You know, I wonder, have you ever considered the value of your soul? Do you know what the Bible says about your soul? The Lord Jesus said this, For what shall the profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You see, you have a soul. And your soul is an incorruptible treasure. It's a revelation from God's word that should not be ignored. You have a soul. And every man and woman that's born into this world, we're all born with souls. And the Word of God makes it very clear that God breathed into Adam a living soul. And what is it, you may ask, that makes your soul so, makes your soul so valuable? What is it that makes your soul worth so much? What is it that makes your soul worth more than, than the entire world? What shall it profit a man if he should give the whole world? Lose his own soul. Your soul is an incorruptible treasure because it will last forever. You see, this body will one day die. And they will take this body and they'll put it in a wooden box and it will decay and it will corrupt. But your soul, made in the image of God, 
will last for all eternity. And when the sun and moon and stars no longer shine, when time ceases to exist, your soul will still be in existence in heaven or hell, timeless, dateless, measureless. Your soul, made in the image of God, will last forever and ever and ever. Maybe you're buying new clothes. And you wonder how long will these clothes last me? Or you buy a new car and you wonder how many miles will this car take me? Or you buy a new house and you consider how long it's going to last? Is it worth buying? You hope these things will last for a long time. Well, how long is your soul going to last? Do you know? It's going to last forever. And it will go on through the, the unending cycles of God's eternity. What a treasure your soul is. Maybe I should personalize it and say your soul, your soul is your most precious possession. It's an extraordinary treasure. Whose hands are you going to place your soul in to take care for it in this life and in eternity? Oh, I pray that you'll place your soul in the hands of the Lord tonight. If you end this life with your soul unprepared, we're warned in the Bible that it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The hands that are today outstretched, inviting you to receive mercy, are hands that will throw the unrepentant into the pit of loneliness, despair, and the pit of eternal suffering in hell. You know, at the end of our little verse this evening, after the Saviour had spoken these words, it says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. It says, And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Other versions read that he breathed his lives. And finally, the Saviour had died. But I want to tell you something this evening. He died victoriously. He died victoriously. Why? Because it was, it was victory over sin. It was victory over sin. For I read that the veil here at Snell tells us that the veil in verse 45 and the temple was rent in the midst. Well, what does that speak of? What does that tell us? The veil of the temple spoke of its message was unmistakable. It said no enter. Because if you were to step into the presence of God and you were not permitted and not prepared, you would have been dead instantly because you were entering into the presence of a holy God. But as this happened, as the work was finished, as the Savior cried this final cry, the entry, the, the entry into the throne room of heaven was opened. There was a new and living way. And there's a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. And the way was opened. And the Lord Jesus Christ has opened it. There was victory over sin that day. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can approach the throne of heaven this evening. There was victory over sin that day. But there was also victory over death. For I read in Matthew 27 and verse 52, that the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. And the person who is saved need not fear death. For they have readied themselves for eternity, and they will live eternally with God forever. In the new heaven and new earth, I wonder, have you prepared your soul for that day? If you were to die this very night, where will you spend eternity? Dear friend, I plead with you to listen to me tonight. 
Think of this question, where will you spend eternity? You see, the Savior on the cross, he accomplished victory over sin, and he's accomplished victory over death, and how important that is, but also on the cross, he accomplished victory over hell. For the earth did quake, and the rocks went. In Matthew 27, verse 51, it tells us that there was a great earthquake. And it reminds us of that earthquake that happened at Mount Sinai when God came down to Moses and gave the law. But this earthquake didn't announce the terror of law on this day. It announced the fulfillment of law. The Lord Jesus died victoriously, the conqueror of sin, the conqueror of death, the conqueror of hell. And he says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. You know, Christ, he died the just for the unjust. That he might bring us to God. He died for the ungodly. He died for us. And wonder of wonders, he died for me. The Son of God loved me. And gave himself for me. He shed his precious blood for you. You can put your name in there. The Son of God loved Peter. And gave himself for me. He shed his precious blood for you. And perhaps you're thinking, well, I'll live as I please, and then in the last minute I'll commit my life to the Lord. Well, no. Don't do that. Because with few exceptions, you'll die as you live. If God isn't your father now, it well might be impossible for you to accept him as your father as death draws near. If we're unprepared for heaven, well, we may never get that opportunity because no one knows how their death will happen. You see, only those who are trusting the Lord Jesus Christ with their soul, who has passed their souls into the hands of the Father, will die with confidence. God doesn't promise a calm passage through death, but he does promise a safe landing for those who are trusting in him. You know, review once more the words that the Lord Jesus spoke here at the cross. Those around him were jeering as he said them. His friends had denied him. His body was bloody and crumpled. His image was marred beyond recognition with ghastly scars. He was dehydrated. Pain numbed his body. For a time the Father's presence had left him, and yet his spirit is preserved. You know, I've seen strong men dwindle down to 100 pounds when cancer ravaged their body. I've heard of people so disfigured after a car accident that their family were no longer allowed, were not even allowed to view their body. I've read stories and heard of farmers who were caught in machinery and hacked to death. Some do die peacefully, maybe in a hostile room, or even in a home surrounded by friends, but multitudes die suddenly and are taken out into eternity just like that. But for those who are trusting in Christ, the promise is no matter how turbulent the day, that our souls will arrive safely in the shore of heaven. You see, for the saved person, they need never worry about where their soul will be, they can die in confidence. For Christ died and he shed his precious blood for you. 
Dear friend, now let me ask you, do you know where you spend eternity if you die? Many saints have died with these last words on their lips, similar to the Saviour's. In fact, Stephen, that first martyr that we read of in Acts 7, he said, Lord, receive my spirit. This is the only time in the New Testament that we read that the Lord Jesus was standing at the right hand of God, ready to receive his servant. There was Stephen. You know, D.L. Moody said this when he was on his deathbed. He said, Earth recedes, and heaven opens for me. If this is death, it is sweet. What did he mean by that? He meant that he knew his soul was going to be with the Lord in just a moment. The Lord Jesus, in the final words of his life there on the cross, said, Father, into thy hands I commit men my spirit. Dear friend, tonight, in, if death were to visit, and if this was your last opportunity, if you weren't to make it to the pillow this evening, where will you spend eternity? Do you know? I plead with you to save that. As we have visited the cross of Calvary one last time in this little series, I plead with you to save Please make your life right with the Lord. Bow before him. Admit you're a sinner. That you've broken God's law. Accept the sacrifice there at Calvary, the perfect Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And live your life for him. And a life of gratitude. He has done all that needs to be done for you to be seen. And this evening he just tells you to come. As you are. And place your trust in him. Then you'll be sure of where your destination in eternity will be. But dear friend, I ask this question to you again. Where will you spend eternity?